0: Beyond the the Headlines, this is World Insight. Hello and welcome to World Insight. I'm Tian Wei coming to you from the Swiss mountain town of Davos on the sideline of the World Economic Forum. Rebuilding trust is the top topic at the ongoing World Economic Forum annual meeting. Before his audience on Tuesday, Chinese Premier Li Qiang delivered a speech. On that topic, he particularly mentioned what true multilateralism is. In today's world,
1: countries have very close economic linkages, which means that their macroeconomic policies have more notable spillover effects. In the face of global crises, fragmented and separate responses will only leave the world economy more fragile. As such, it is crucial that in making and executing macro policies, countries around the world, especially major economies, step up dialogue and communication, take more coordinated and effective measures firmly uphold the multilateral trading system and jointly improve global economic governance
0: and foster
1: new drivers of global growth.
0: In this speech given by Chinese Premier Li Qiang and also later the Q&A session with the World Economic Forum founder, he has been talking about some very important messages Over the past few months, there has been clear messages coming out of China regarding the future potential of the Chinese economy and the direction and logic of China's latest economic policies. You see that firstly reflected in the Central Economic Work Forum at the end of 2023. You see the same message being emphasized once and again, including some of the latest speeches given by Chinese President Xi Jinping lately. And now some of those messages are being Uh, Targeting to the international audience at the annual forum of the World Economic Forum, 800 CEOs and a few dozen political leaders present in the audience listening to Chinese Premier's uh, speech and also his interpretation of the Chinese economy. Three points I think is very targeted to this audience. One, whether China is still committed to reform and opening up. On the opening up. side the chinese premier indicated very clearly china's market is still one of the world's most important most attractive he gave a number of foreign direct investments return uh, still above nine percent as we all know that is very impressive number given uh, the uh, complexity of global markets these days meanwhile he has been talking about two colors One is green development, the other is red line. Let me explain this about the green development. A lot in the audience are listening very closely as to what China is trying to do, how much potential is there. The Chinese Premier, give some detailed information about electronic vehicles, uh, 20 million of them running electronic vehicles on the Chinese road, a huge potential 10 trillion RMB market over there for green development uh, in China alone. Uh, Meanwhile, he also talked about China's importance of uh, having medium and high uh, quality manufacturing uh, sector that can uh, provide support for the development of uh, green industry within the country and through international cooperation about the color red he that is when he was referring to the artificial intelligence he talked about there has to be a common red line being established and recognized by all stakeholders about artificial intelligence development and he also emphasized about the importance of sharing the latest benefits of technologies both in the global north, the developed economies, and particularly in the global south. As we know, we see the gap of wealth and technology is getting ever larger in recent years between the two sides. Meanwhile, he has also been suggesting there should not be camps that are dividing people in terms of technology. So you see, all of these uh, information are very targeted at the audience at the World Economic Forum annual meeting. I've been talking to after the speech uh, to some of the CEOs and also Uh, think tank leaders, uh, they say they are hearing confirmed messages from the Chinese side as a result of this. This is not just a day about China, as you know, this is also a day about interactions among different leaders. Uh, For example, uh, before Chinese Premier spoke, we saw the uh, Swiss a federation chairwoman uh, spoke uh, president spoke meanwhile after the Chinese premier's speech uh, the uh, EU leader also shared their Visions and insights. Throughout the day, we see leaders from different parts of the world, including from Vietnam, like that part of Asia, uh, sharing their insights uh, uh, with the audience. So this is a very busy day, but certainly a lot of information, a lot of energy being packed here. One thing I want to say before we wrap up this uh, interaction is the importance of addressing real issues. Now, as you know, uh, some have been accusing the World Economic Forum as elites uh, uh, about high-end issues without really touching the ground how much being discussed here is really going to help uh, to the common folks on the streets now I think uh, many global CEOs have been talking to are very aware of this and they are trying to indicate that many of the big plans they are talking about here already have some detailed implementation uh, uh, plans as well the outlook of the Chinese economy is one of the most anticipated in Davos this year Later this week, I will moderate a CGTN World Economic Forum joint session on recharging growth in China. Throughout the week, during the Davos 2024, I'm also bringing to you exclusive interview series. Today, let's meet Ray Dalio, the founder of Bridgewater. What does China's economic transformation mean for the world? And what are some of the issues global CEOs are looking at when it comes to China's economy? Ray, what a pleasure to see you. So good to see you again. One of the times for the Chinese Premier to interact with the the international community, including 800 global CEOs, I really wonder what is uh, the nature of curiosity these days from the business community about China, for example reflected in your work.
2: Of course there's been changes in China in a way where um, the business community is concerned about the conflict between the United States and China. And I would say that last March it reached its worst point. Uh, That was a terrible, terrible time. And it's made improvements since then In other words, both sides recognizing that a terrible economic war or a terrible military war would be terrible, and so that there's now a better amount of talking. And I think it'll be important for the world to hear him, and then also um, to continue to paint the picture of China's role in the world as um, as a peaceful, uh, productive party in the world. Mm. Do you think people will be convinced? I think actions take uh, actions will be important over a period of time. People, I think, sometimes come with their stereotypes. They don't know China well. I've been lucky. I've been going since 1984, so I know China pretty well. Uh, but still, there are questions. So I think over a period of time, it's more a matter of the actions that are taken.
0: Now. Since the meeting between the two presidents in San Francisco last year, we see both sides have drawn up some specific to-do list and they're trying to deliver, so far, so
2: good. So far, so good. Yeah.
0: Uh, However, uh, this is an interesting year, 2024. You have, in the United States, one of the most eye-catching elections. And you have, in China, an economic transformation where people are asking about the economic growth. So how do you see these two events in two very different countries working on the bilateral relations?
2: Uh, I believe the elections in the United States are one of the greatest risks for the world. because the United States is internally having a great conflict between values um, and that's brought about populism, and there's a rather extremism that's operating there so that neither side will accept losing or subjugating themselves to the other side. This election is going to be a question for democracy. Can democracy work it out? Can the United States work together, or will the factions break it apart?
0: And for China, of course, as has mentioned, uh, there is an economic transition to put it into a, a, a diplomatic phrase. So how do you see the adjustment of its economic uh, uh, potential is now working on the relationship between China and the United States?
2: There is an immediate uh, problem that has taken place because of the uh, uh, real estate problem carrying to the local government, financial problem, those problems are manageable, if managed well. There might be forms of restructuring, they need monetary policy and the like. They have an effect on people's attitudes and their willingness to spend money and so on. That's, of course, um, an, an issue. And then there's the international issue. Um, international conflict with the United States, the, um, the problem with that is also a, a problem from the U.S. perspective. Foreign investors or foreign com- companies worry about being sanctioned in China. So it might be actions that could come from either the U.S. side or can come from the Chinese side. And then there's still the remarkable development of Chinese technologies and Chinese productions. Look at the leadership that's taking place in um, no. wind and no uh, electric vehicles and uh, even the the development of uh, the chip race. Um, you know, that's an American-Chinese competition. And it's really quite remarkable how effective that is. But of course, that also, in the competitor's view, represents a risk so you look at marketplaces Europe will electric vehicles what will the roles be and so on so those competitions are going on and how they're handled I think will be really important
0: now uh, China has been focusing on the so-called four news as you know new infrastructure new energy uh, new technology and also new consumption uh, Chinese like to come up with these power points but how do you see these direction likely to drive the growth of the economy, which is very, very critical
2: right now. Internally, uh, there's also, of course, uh, the dual circulation concept. Yeah. And so there's the external and there's the internal. I think internally, entrepreneurship, the ability to tap individuals and come up with that creativity to invent, and to be able to resource them with capital mm-hmm. is a very, very, very powerful vehicle in this competition. So I think it'll be very important that there's um, that support of the new types of things that are going on that you mentioned, and also um, then the dealing with the old issues to deal with the uh, real estate, the debt restructurings and all of those, I think okay. that those, those are important. So I would say in China, um, there are issues that you have to do the debt restructuring there's a a deflationary force that needs to be dealt with through some form of a combination of restructuring and then getting the monetary policy right it can be managed the other more important question is the direction of um, how do you value those incentives of the market We see the entrepreneurs
0: that have been the most evident on the international stage over the past 15 years, let's just say. You see there is a generational change that's taking place. We haven't known the newest names yet. They're not visible on the international stage yet, but there is a generational change. Meanwhile, you see Chinese companies are getting ever more global given the circumstances they're facing. Uh, in different parts of the world including back at home so how do you see these elements given your observation are working into this transformation
2: as we speak um i think the idea of a dialectic when things are at odds and that creating the energy for making the movement forward is so apt now i think that they're uh, most likely will be these tensions and these trade-offs that are going to have to be made. But I think the Chinese force, in terms of the the power, the development, is going to remain a great force in the development of China. And I think in both countries, what's most paramount importance is how they operate with their people to be strong and productive.
0: Mm. Now, uh, China has been able to improve. Uh, because it's interactions opening door with the rest of the world 40 years. But we can see that period of time compared to the industrializations and stuff over the past few hundred years in the West is a very short period of time. So we're seeing year, hundreds of years of things taking place within a few decades. How do you see these timeline actually are creating confusions and wow factor? How do you see this uh, double sword in a way?
2: I think that there were some bubbles created. Real estate was. And I think it's healthy to get rid of those bubbles. And I've gone through four major comparable crises in the United States. And I assure you they're all manageable. I think the question is the interactions with the rest of the world, and then the question of what form of productivity. Do the incentives remain or also um, you know we have a problem in the United States with um, that we could use more common prosperity because so how do you achieve the right balances between making prosperity for most people so that it elevates both most people whether that's in the United States or whether it's in China to be productive is essential and then to have people work together and have um, those relationships that rather than fight with each other, and that's the challenge That should be the right competition. That that has to be the right competition. That equal opportunity, that you strive for equal opportunity, and broad-based benefits. Both countries, um, I think that this is going to be a very key element in the success of either country, Mm -hmm. because if that's not achieved, You won't have broad-based productivity and broad-based support. And without that, I don't think you'll be successful for both countries. It's be strong and be productive for most people, I think.
0: Now, you hosted earlier an interaction with Mr. Liu Jianchao, uh, one of the uh, very prominent Chinese ministers of the Chinese Communist Party. And I'm sure you have, with that closed-door session, interact about Chinese diplomacy, the goals of diplomacy, vis-a-vis economic development. Tell me more about what is the takeaway from that meeting? How is it interact with what you just explained
2: to me and analyzed about U.S. China? Uh, The main thing that he and I were both hoping to accomplish is to create a mutual understanding. That doesn't mean an agreement about what should be but to try to eliminate misunderstandings because they're very dangerous. And um, he was remarkable in being able to be so open. He said, give me your toughest questions, whatever they might be, let's discuss any of them. And he was really remarkable in having those exchanges. Uh, I think there there are questions, they may seem impolite, but if, Uh, the United States, if he asks the United States, how could we trust in the stability of our relationship when the politics is so volatile? Okay, questions that, and then back and forth, in terms of those delicate questions. That is um, really bringing about an understanding. Uh, That was something I was very, very pleased to see. He made a big impression in the United States. Quality communications, so crucial these days. Seeing it through the other's eyes, Mm -hmm. not seeing it through one's own eyes, which could be biased, and then agreeing that there are certain terrible things that must not happen. What might be your concern for the next
0: biggest challenge as you see? today?
2: Well, uh, as I say, when I combine the risk of the internal conflict in the United States with the risk of the external conflict, um, that opens all sorts of types of economic uh, risks as well, political. The costs of war, the United States being overextended in some places, um, and how that works out, spreading of war in the Middle East, spreading of war in other places that create great disruptions. Um, and then of course we have this climate issue which is a bit, it's going to be very costly. If you just spent the money it's on it estimated five trillion dollars a year, five percent of world GDP. I think in 24 it's, it's that, uh, that confluence. And then red lines. We're so close to red lines. Let's say if we were to take the Taiwan issue, okay, we're very close to red lines with the Taiwan issue. We're close to red lines in a number of areas. What does the chip war look like? How do sanctions work? All of those. So it's dangerously close to those red lines. I think wisdom will prevail, but this is an environment where accidents also could happen.
0: Mm. What would be the best advice?
2: Yeah. You know, the mutual understanding and 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 being realistic you know chinese concept of war since the art of war was written is that you should never win a war through military fighting because that's so painful and you're, you must not have been clever enough to win the war through military destructive i would say if we take that kind of war or if we take a terrible economic war and we realize that we should be clever to be able to compete Mm -hmm. intensely.
0: Technology is an interesting factor. Uh, As we know, this year's uh, annual meeting focused so much on artificial intelligence. This is also a competition we see between China and the United States. Now, how do you see these uh, technology factors, especially artificial intelligence, likely to play here? On the one hand, we already see the two sides come up with some kind of interactions discussing uh, governance issue regarding to artificial intelligence. On the other hand, uh, we are likely to see a competition uh, between the two sides already taking place. So how do you see this mixed picture is going to also contribute to reshape
2: what you just described? Well, throughout history, we've seen whoever wins the technology war, Wins the economic war and wins wins the military war, so from both sides, it's very very important that they do the best to win. They also recognize the threats that might come from those technologies. So in an ideal world, you'd have cooperation, but that re- that reality prevails. So um, so now what you're seeing is that a a, a, a chess game playing. Yes what technology and who and will I prevent it and what will I mean for the countries that are in between will they be able to use it and what sanctions will develop and so on and then how do they get around those sanctions and then so you see it where let's say Chinese companies will then go set up uh, companies that are not Chinese companies not run by Chinese, um, and then they'll compete, and so on. I think in this world today, it's very difficult to control all of those things. But that's the nature of what the war is like. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, the technology also related to people's... uh understanding of each other because as we know rhetorics and narratives goes with these echo chambers totally uh, uh, generalized uh, totally energized by new technologies. How how do you see these elements once again working in the
2: overall discussion? But I I think that that brings us back to this energy of entrepreneurship. Okay, it's man's inventiveness Mm -hmm. right? Educate your people well, make them civil, and let them work well together and enable them with capital so that that enables them to be creative and be effective and so i think we come down to those basic fundamentals for both countries those are the elements of competition that matter the most and also what has been
0: china's biggest contribution to the world over the past few decades when you observe china what could be the biggest contribution China can make in the next
2: years that as you see. I think the greatest contribution in the world without a doubt was the efficient production of um, a, a lot of, um, a lot of things that, uh, that created incomes for people who enjoyed the benefits of those incomes and also created products which were cost effective. Um, so that was the contribution. Um, in terms of your question about the future, I think the, I, I, I think the view of China, as, uh, as has been stated and actually demonstrated in history, that's an extension of a Confucian view, which is that um, how to have harmony and how to not have the conflict and to have effective competition, something even geopolitically like the tribute system, in a sense where um, there's the opportunity to be able to do this in a way that doesn't produce the great conflicts, I I think that would be um, a, a great contribution.
0: I'm Tian Wei, on behalf of my teams in Davos and in Beijing, thanks for being with us and I'll see you tomorrow.